0: Hey, everybody. This is a programming note here, um, but we're still labeling it like an episode because we have just barely enough uh, content here and a little clip and conversation to justify it. Um, we're creating this episode as a memoriam, memorial to our friend Javier Garcia, who, um, who died recently.
1: We've we've talked about Javier on this show many times actually and we've always talked about how we wanted to have him on the show and he died suddenly and tragically in an accident and it's just left us reeling and um but we wanted to check in and and honor him he was a listener and a friend. Brian, he was your really, really close friend.
0: He was a very... Javier had a lot of really close friends. He was just like a good friend, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, I'll just say he was a dear friend. He lived with with my family during COVID for many months from about April through like almost September. And was like... I mean, my daughters who are who are young just like adored him like a mm-hmm. brother, or like an uncle, and my wife. It was very close to him also. And we just kind of lived like a family. Like he was just kind of like this weird brother figure who was in our house. And so... Um, yeah, we just wanted, I guess, for lack of an episode this week, we're kind of both on vacation. Mm -hmm. Um, just wanted to talk about him a little bit and just process it together, um, um, did you, by the way, did you know that a couple of years ago we went to the SBL AAR, which, in case you don't know, <laughs> yeah, SBL Society of Biblical Literature, AR American Academy of Religion, we It's were gonna- like
1: the jamboree <laughs> of, our, of our guilds, the
0: jamboree of our guilds, <laughs> and we were going to do um, this like full, um, episode from there and we did all these interviews and some of the files got corrupted it especially like one of our work. centerpiece uh file got corrupted which just
1: didn't work and i was super pregnant that year i remember it was oh, like painful yes. yeah i remember you i was would, like hobbling you would, everywhere you would
0: remember that that would be important <laughs> to you i yeah, don't remember that it was exactly terrible. but
1: very uncomfortable
0: leah's a social butterfly and she was doing yes. all this stuff and i was like wilting like i as soon as i walk in the convention hall i'm like um i can't do this anymore
1: yes i'm like um, high fives to everyone high fives to
0: everyone but we you know we did get some little interview clips and 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 by the way I don't know even know if you remember I got a little clip with Javier because oh, we were together right. we were rooming together at that time and oh. it, it turned out to not really be any kind of content it just was like a funny like awkward exchange between us I thought <laughs> and I know you haven't heard it probably for a couple of years no. or maybe never can I just play it for please, you can, please please I would love to, to
1: hear his voice
0: here's me like basically like, like razzing Javier <laughs> for no reason with like basically no content I don't know if I'm ready for this you don't know if you're ready for this I introduce to you Javier Garcia, George Fox University, Bonhoeffer Scholar extraordinaire. Yo, what's up? <laughs>
2: Do you like these conferences? I have mixed feelings. Oh, tell me. I like meeting with old friends. What about new friends? Yeah, that can be helpful too. Helpful? Um, at least we're told that networking is, is important in this industry.
0: But you don't believe that?
2: Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah oh. and so it was just you know we were just kind of you know just having like this silly this silly little exchange there but Ugh. just to hear his voice and just uh you know um yeah it's so strange uh um you know there's a lot of stuff publicly you know about him on the internet on the internet now and on social media about mm-hmm. you know his life and obituaries and so on he died in a, a surfing accident he loved surfing and and he was out on the oregon coast a place i know that's that's near and dear to all of us here in oregon but um yeah, he was, a br- he was a really good Bonhoeffer scholar. In mm-hmm. fact, his book, he ha- his first book was called um, Recovering the Ecumenical Bonhoeffer, Thinking After the Tradition, published in 2019. So a really recent book. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a resistor of the Nazis during World War II, actually participated in a plot to kill Hitler, which is yes, kind of
1: cool. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, m- one of my favorite things. So for those of you who didn't know our friend, I knew him mostly... As a colleague, and I knew him as the the ideal colleague, like he was always clutch you know when, whenever you needed something someone to be just spectacular and extraordinary mm-hmm. and then and then also, you know we knew each other kind of casually through our friend networks, mm-hmm. and my favorite thing about him, bringing it back to Bonhoeffer is mm-hmm. he used to always tell me that. My son, when he was a toddler, looked like Dietrich Bonhoeffer (laughs) because he had this big head and this very kind of like chubby cheeks. And then he he showed me a picture. He's like, look, just put a cup, you know, put a pair of glasses on that kid. He totally looks like, you know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer.
0: That is so it's kind of funny when kids end up looking like old people, like if you put them in. It's th- true. We have a friend whose whose son kind of like reminds me of like a, like a Tiny Tim kind of character. Like oh. if you dressed him in like these like kind of tattered tweed and please stuff, you're, please, please, Oliver, yeah. <laughs> kind of a little bit like of you know put a little dirt on his face. That's and so cute. On. That's cute. That sounds like something Javier would would um, would definitely say. Um, you know what? You know when we were going to have him actually on the show here.
1: Mm -hmm. We were going to have them talk about Uh, my favorite show. So during, okay. So
0: during, so this is, this is maybe, we could even consider this like a part one to that episode, which we're still Mm -hmm. going to do. We'll carry on somehow. But during COVID, we were like, we don't know what to watch. We don't know what to watch. And somebody in my life, a person close to me right now in the studio, (laughs) has been buttonholing me a show that apparently is popular for, I guess, a lot of people called Battlestar Galactica.
1: Oh, yes. And yes. There's a niche crew that is passionate yep. about Battlestar, it's, BSG, 2004 Reimagined Edition.
0: It's available for free on the Peacock Network, mm-hmm. or the Peacock mm-hmm. app, yep. which everyone was mad about because like, now they moved all the Office episodes there and I think some other things. And mm-hmm. so we got this Peacock app and we're like, you know what, let's just start watching it. And because, you know, we just like me and him and my wife, Susan, would just be sitting around. All During COVID, like, what do we do seven nights, <laughs> n- seven days a week, all every night? And so that was our thing that we started watching, and it, it was just like we just had a lot of fun making fun of the show. Yes, um, and- you made
1: fun of it, which hurt my feelings, just like a tiny, tiny, tiny bit.
0: Well, we we had like kind of like a bizarre bootleg <laughs> season back then. Go back in our archives and look at the episodes uh-huh. from 2020 in the summer. I think those were actually some of the funniest, most zany episodes that we've ever yeah, done. Yeah, because we
1: were just, it was like, the world's ending, let's the say whatever ending. we want.
0: They had like weird titles and we were talking about like <laughs> dictators and just That's like bizarre right, stuff. And um, anyway, during that time, I, I had said that, I thought that the writing was really bad and the acting was really bad. This was in season one. About literally eighty episodes later, I'm right now currently as we record this in the beginning of season four. Oh, I can say oh. that nothing has improved in any way, oh, Brian. except that I am addicted to the show.
1: Oh, see, they got. And I, you. I
0: gotta know now, but it's like if you're gonna commit to this, it's like you're watching eighty-five movies in a row. You know the uh, thing the about same the characters. show.
1: Well, the thing about the show, and this is why. So my spouse, Thomas, also doesn't quite understand my undying love for it, but Mm -hmm. because it is, I remember during the final season, there were a lot of think pieces about it because it developed this very passionate fan base Mm -hmm. and they were, (laughs) they said something like, is this the most depressing show on television? Because it oh, is just that's true, that's true. gloom yeah. for four seasons. Mm-hmm. So I think there's part of it where it just kind of wears you down. Yeah. But I, I like the mystical part of it. This is this yes. is my thing, and I will stand by this. Stand so by I don't it. think there's a more thoughtful, and maybe this is what Javier liked about it, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. M- one of the most thoughtful portrayals of the many varieties of approaches to religion in public life, Mm -hmm. because in Battlestar, they have these different kinds of cultures that Mm -hmm. are all together in this one version of humanity. And some of the people are very devout and they see the divine in everything. Mm -hmm. And then some of the people are very skeptical Mm -hmm. and they just kind of go through the motions and, that I thought was really thoughtful and excellent because usually when they show religion and public life, it's some sort of fanatical right like or or very gullible person or something. And this showed a broad spectrum, which right. seems to me more like what the regular world.
0: I think all that's fair like. I think all that's fair.
1: <laughs> but it, you're like, but I don't like Starbucks. It
0: did not prevent me during the first two seasons, which we watched together from just like taking a lot of like micro naps during the episodes, which How is, you sleep? which is what Javier would roast me about. Like, I'd be like, I'd come back in and he'd be like, I just saw what you did. And I'd be like,
1: what? <laughs> like, come
0: on. Or I'd be like, okay. Or I'd, or I'd kind of come to him and I'd be like, wait, can we pause? Like, why is that person doing that? And he's like, what have you been doing for the last 20 minutes? And I'm like, well.
1: <laughs> I got to ask you. So Javier has, he's a legend for his sense of humor. Very funny guy. Yeah. Also very Very dad jokey kind of guy. I mean, he was the king of puns, which I'm not that much of a pun person, but he made it charming in some sort of way. What is your like? He pulled it off. What's your peak Javier joke moment? Like just, you know, whatever comes to mind oh as like a gosh. quintessentially well, on Javier the,
0: joke. On, on the pun side of things, the, the thing that comes to mind is he um, he had a he had a Toyota RAV4 <laughs> was his car. I, and do you know about this? Oh, yeah. And he called it the he, he named his car the Javier <laughs> Garcia. Because <laughs> his name is Javier, Javier Garcia. Javier Garcia. Garcia.
1: So that's pretty
0: clever. <laughs> um, you know, honestly, there are a few jokes that come to my mind, but they are not shareable jokes. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of his humor was like deeply contextual and deeply weird. And like, I just remember even like on an SBL note, like we would just like, it was almost like we were college students or something. Like we could just lay there on the bed, just like, are you awake? Like, can you believe this person said blah, blah, blah.
1: <laughs> we went
0: to a, um, this is a memory, which is not really a joke and, and uh-huh. actually, Partly not that funny, but in memory, we we were in Denver the year that it was in Denver. I
1: yes. And
0: we walked to we were we, we, I just found this this restaurant in Denver. I think it was called like the Butcher Butcher Shop something mm-hmm. like that. We were really excited for it. We started walking there, walking there, and, and the street. It was just like a weird vibe on the street. And like this this person kind of came up to us that we thought maybe wasn't totally well, and like grabbed Uh-oh. us by the shoulders and said to us like, "Be careful out there, man." And we were like, "Oh my goodness, okay." Yes. <laughs> and we just walked basically right up into a murder scene. oh <gasps> Together,
1: whoa!
0: <laughs> we were like, um. This
1: sounds like the start of a show. Two religion scholars. it's Two religion scholars walking into a murder. Yeah, they, scene and, a and murder they scene. solve the crime.
0: And like you know, like the tape is going up, and the and we're like whoa. hard left, and so we took like this hard left, and we ended up like going almost like on this like allegorical journey through like these neighborhoods where like weird things were happening too, and we made this big circle. And we ended up at this restaurant, and it was like nobody was there except for us. And we just had like the most fantastic meal. Oh. But it was like really expensive. What
1: kind of food was it? Was it was like a
0: we we like shared a steak, like a giant steak. Oh,
1: that sounds really Like a big.
0: 70 ounce or some huge, like I don't forgot what it was, like, but it was like the kind of steak that's like as thick as your fist and like the size of a plate. Yes. And like I think they said, like, oh no, this is kind of meant to be shared, but it's like super expensive. And just like we had like this charcuterie uh, board and this pâté, which was like this award-winning, and we were just eating it and Fancy. just laughing. And, there were just so many things like that, so we 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 appreciate you, our audience, indulging us in these um, memories. But it at least is on our theme. Uh, Javier Garcia was was a theologian, was was a scholar of religion and of history, and um, we're just taking this moment to just to talk about him a little bit, to honor him, and to say, you know, his funeral um, um, was was a, a healing experience, and it was good, but it also just kind of like you know of, of one of the many. Billions of like little side effects that something like this has that are just small things that threw us off our recording schedule. And so
1: it did. And we hope that wherever you are, you are remembering the people you love and letting them know that you love them. Mm. We certainly love and loved Javier and we'll love him always.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I would say my family really, really understands that. So they constitute my home. Mm.
2: Yeah, I can totally understand that. Part of the reason why I wanted to have this conversation with you in particular is because I have a similar background, just having grown up abroad. Um, I'm Venezuelan by heritage, but uh, I grew up in Southeast Asia and did my studies in Europe and then came back to the US. So, you know, born in the United States, but only really started living here when I was 15. And so the concept of home has always been just very complicated for me. When somebody asks, where are you from? Mm -hmm. I always say, my parents are from Venezuela, and then move on, right? And, you know, it's just, uh, I need to know somebody well in order to get into that, that question. Uh, But the Odyssey was such an important text for me to come to a new understanding of what the complexity of, of what home entails, right? And so, as you said, family, but there's also nation, there's also um, people or, or even food and culture that you associate with with your identity. So, um, and I think for Christians as well, at least when I read this text, um, there's a better home, another home, another country. There's all this language, uh, especially with Abraham, uh, in the Bible, uh, you know, he's looking forward to a better country, and that Paul talks about us having a citizenship in heaven. And so when I read the Odyssey, um, there's just so many interesting parallels with, with the faith. Odysseus as this beggar king who comes to his people, who defeats his enemies. And so I see a lot of Christological uh, parallels with Odysseus, uh, but then with this concept of home that ultimately, yes, we wrestle with our understanding of what home is here, but we're exiles and I feel like an exile just given my, my upbringing. and so I look forward to a better country um, when you know we will meet with uh, with Christ. so,